0: It was almost a year ago now that I first told you a story about Matt and Savannah Shaw. It's a father-daughter duet that just literally exploded on YouTube overnight almost a year ago. You remember their story. Matt, it turned out, had been born and raised in L.A. He loved music. He really had hopes and dreams that maybe one day he would be able to record music. Or even the great dream of making it to Broadway. But when he was 14 years old, his father, who was only 38, suddenly died. And it brought real hard financial ship to the family. His dream also died. The family left L.A. and they moved to Kaysville, Utah. There he continued to be involved in music in high school and in shows. He even got a scholarship to go to college on music. But his major was accounting because he had fallen in love. He had gotten married. He now was starting a family. And he knew that music would not sustain that family. He needed to have a real job. And so he graduated and he helped to found a real estate company, he and a partner, In the end, music just kind of faded away. He still loved to sing and would sing occasionally, but that was no longer such a priority in his life. Until last year, he now was married to Brooke. They had four children, and his oldest daughter was Savannah. She was 15 years old. She was in high school. She had joined a choir. Savannah was rather shy. She was so unsure of herself But she was wanting to make friends and she was wanting to enjoy music. And so now she had to start having online learning, no longer getting to go to school. We've all been through this last year and seen what's gone on. She's at home. She's online learning. She's missing her friends. And so she came up with a creative idea that she thought, what if she sang a song and put it on an Instagram account for her other friends to see, and then they could record a song and everyone could see it and they could stay in touch. At 15 years old, she had never had any kind of social media. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Snapchat, nothing. But she decided she wanted to do this. And so she asked her father, would he help sing with her? You see, she was so very uncertain of herself. She didn't want to sing by herself. She had heard her daddy singing down through the years and so said, would you sing with me the prayer by Celine Dion, Andrea Bocelli. Such a beautiful, beautiful song. And he said, yes, certainly. And so they began to practice the song. And then the day came, she was ready to record it. She went out and found him outside. He was working outside in the yard and he came in. He was going to sit down there at the kitchen table. They had an iPad and a microphone. And she said, Dad, you need to go clean up. He was wearing a T-shirt from a family reunion. had lots of names of the families on it. He was wearing his ball cap from BYU. And he simply said, Savannah, your choir friends do not care what I look like. And so they set the camera up. Some of the time, he was in half the frame. But they recorded the prayer and they put it on Instagram, and, and people seemed to really like it, their friends. But not all the family could get Instagram, and so they then got a Facebook page and they put it on Facebook. And it was just a couple of days later that Matt went online and he looked at it, and it now had 2,700 views. He was blown away. He took a picture of it, sent it, texted it to Savannah 2,700 views, 60 shares. I mean, Savannah was saying to her friends, I don't know 2,700 people. But that was nothing. It soon was 10,000. And then 50,000. And 100,000. And then a million. Twelve months later, that rendition of the prayer has been viewed 8.2 million times. Well, they got such a reaction to that. So many people said, this has inspired me. It has helped me in this dark time, in this pandemic. They decided to do another song. They wound up doing A Million Dreams, The Greatest Showman. It now has been viewed 6.4 million times. And then they did Beauty and the Beast. It's been seen 1.2 million times. They kept creating videos, not every week, but creating videos on a regular basis that they felt were inspiring, encouraging, positive. Sometimes they were just for pure fun. But it seemed to be making such a difference in people's lives. They kept on doing it. And, you know, the fascinating thing was they weren't doing it for fame or money These were people of great faith, and they really believed God had given them an opportunity and a calling, a ministry. And so they created hashtag share hope, spread joy. And they would talk about how that was their mission, to share hope and spread joy. And that we could all join in that mission by choosing to do something concrete, and God would use us during the midst of this pandemic to share hope. To spread joy. And that's what they've continued to do. And big and exciting things have happened in their life. When this pandemic is over, their world will never be the same again. Matt had had dreams of one day being able to sing, to record. You know, the funny thing is, the answer was right in front of him. But he just didn't see it. And a 15-year-old daughter, the answer was right there, surprise. This morning, I'm going to begin a Lenten sermon series. Today's the first Sunday in Lent. For the next six weeks, we're going to be preparing our hearts and our minds to be ready for the celebration of Easter. We want to prepare our hearts to experience the resurrection. And so for the next six weeks, what I want to do is to have a sermon series entitled In the Room Where It Happened. And for the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at the Last Supper. We're going to be looking at this upper room. This upper room where such significant things would ultimately take place. Because it was there that I want to look at these people who were all in that upper room. The people who came... And such a dire time that was about to occur. And they were going to go through this issue of... of Jesus announcing that he was about to be betrayed. Their world was going to be turned upside down. The Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' trial. His crucifixion and his death. Their world would be turned upside down. And what would begin to happen is they had to make a decision... Are we going to go back to the way that it was? Are we going to find a new way? A new normal? You know, you and I are living in an interesting time right now. We're living in a time when I believe that the end of this pandemic is coming. We'll have lived through this year. Social distancing, online learning. A half a million people are going to die from the COVID virus. Many people have been sick. Economic struggles have occurred. We've known isolation. and No, it's been a difficult time. But I think it's all going to be changing. We see new hospitalizations going down dramatically. Deaths are slowing down. There is a vaccine now. People are getting that vaccine. They're saying that by summertime, whoever wants the vaccine will be able to get it. There are treatments for the COVID virus. By this fall, maybe we'll really be back to being normal. But the question I want to be asking during the season of Lent is, is that what you really want? To go back to being like it was before, normal or as we have gone through this experience is there a new normal? Is there anything that we have learned by going through this experience by which we now feel that we see God's dream for our lives more clearly? We have found new ways to have meaning and purpose. We have reset our values. Is it possible that we don't want to go back to the way that it was that we want a new normal because we believe of what it can be. That we believe we've grown in our faith with Christ and there is a new normal that we are looking for. So what I want to do each week is I want to look at these disciples. These disciples who are gathered in the upper room for the Last Supper. And each week I'm going to choose a disciple and I want to look at what did they do? What was their life like? And then they lived to this traumatic experience. And now on the other side, who are they? How do they now choose to live life? A new normal. And I want this to be a time when we stop and start looking at our lives because we might discover the very thing we're looking for is right in front of us. And God is leading us into a new normal. I think of those disciples in that upper room. I want to think about those people. Those people who would experience a foot washing. The institution of the very first celebration of Holy Communion. Those who had lived through the statement of Jesus' betrayal and realizing their world was going to change. Those who would be there to hear the teachings of Jesus. Those who are in that room for that night, how would their world and their lives be changed? Would they go back to the way it used to be? You remember, it was Peter after that night, after the crucifixion and and the resurrection of Jesus, it was Peter who said, I'm going fishing. He had always been a fisherman, he wanted to go back and be a fisherman. And there were six other disciples that said, we are going with you. The great temptation, when all that trauma was over, was to go back and be the same way. To do it the same way. But Christ had laid a claim on their heart, and they would ultimately start making a change to find a new normal. You know, the other thing that I want to do every week during this Lenten series... Is every week we're going to wind up looking at the painting The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. It's probably one of the most famous paintings in Christendom that sets the scene for such a significant moment. Because what Leonardo da Vinci paints is that moment when Jesus says, And one of you will betray me. That's the moment that he's saying to them, There isn't going to be an overthrow of the Roman government, there isn't going to be the kingdom of Israel here on earth. I'm going to be betrayed. And he wants to catch the reaction of all of the disciples, those men who were in the room where this happened. That's fascinating that he painted this painting between 1495 and 1498. You can actually go see the original painting in Milan, Italy. He painted it there in a convent, a monastery. And it was the issue of, today, if you want to go see it, it's in this hermetically sealed room. About 15 people at a time can go in. You're there for 15 minutes, and then you have to come out. It's in carefully controlled, trying to preserve this incredible, historic, and meaningful painting. It did take him three years to paint it. Not because he worked on it every day. No, I'm going to talk about Leonardo, and let me tell you, Leonardo was a procrastinator. He was a perfectionist, and he'd work a little on it, and then he'd do something else. He'd work a little on it and do something else. Now, as he would work on it, he was trying so hard to capture the expression of each disciple that would say something about their personalities. Well, it was one of the leaders there in the monastery who just got tired of it and finally went to Leonardo and said, get on with it. You need to be working here every day on this painting. Get on with it. And Leonardo wrote to the head of the monastery and said, you know, the reason it's taking me so long is I can't quite find the right face for Judas. But I think I may have found it in one of your people who works there in the monastery. They backed off and let him work at his own pace. How, what do you want? not want to be but the face of Judas down through history in the most famous painting of The Last Supper? No, but what he did was he tried to capture these disciples. And and you have Jesus in the center, the focus. And then you have six disciples on each side. And they're broken into a clump of three and a clump of three, a clump of three and a clump of three. And he works on their expression or what are they holding in their hand? What is their posture? To say something about the personality and the experience of each of those men who are in the room. Today, I want us to look at Andrew. Andrew. Andrew who was the first called. Andrew he is the brother of Simon Peter a fisherman and what we know about Andrew is that Andrew was already looking for the Messiah wanting to grow spiritually and it was Andrew who was a disciple of John the Baptist he'd been baptized by John the Baptist And one day he and another person were there with John the Baptist... when Jesus walked by and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. Well, Andrew and this other man began to follow Jesus. It's kind of like they're stalking him. They wanted to see where he was going to stay. And Jesus picked up on it and turned around and said, What are you doing? Where are you staying? And Jesus said, Come with me. I'll show you. And they came and sat down and they talked and talked for hours with Jesus... And it was Andrew who then came back to Simon Peter. And he came back to Simon Peter, his brother, and said, We have found the Messiah. And so Peter came and he listened to Jesus. So they had this relationship starting to build. But they were fishermen. And one night they'd been fishing all night long. And then Jesus came walking on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And when he saw them, he said, Come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. When they got up that morning, they hadn't thought about leaving everything behind. What a surprise. That morning they made the decision, we will go. Andrew had followed Jesus for three years. And now he's in the upper room. And that night, Jesus announces he's going to be betrayed. Andrew was such a kind and loving person, he thought, how in the world could that happen? And so da Vinci paints the far left three to be Bartholomew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Andrew. And the look on their face is one of surprise. Because his whole ministry with Jesus would be about a surprise. At the things Jesus would say and do. And when he would do them, he found that following Christ was always going to lead to a surprise that he was not expecting. And that's the way God works in our lives. That even in the midst of dark times and pandemics, there'll be a surprise. That the very things we're looking for may be right in front of us the opportunity we need, the hope we need. It'll be right there. For Andrew, it was a surprise. I want us to look at him this morning, and there's just two things I want to say. In our scripture lesson this morning, we're reading the great story, the only miracle of Jesus that's told in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has been teaching and healing there by the Sea of Galilee. And, and when he got through, he wanted to go away up into the mountain to get away. And as he got away, the crowds followed. They wanted to hear him more. They wanted to be healed. The crowds came and he saw these massive people. And Jesus turned to, uh, turned to Philip and said, how would you feed these people? And he said, I- I- it would take 200 denarii, six months of wages to feed them. But it was Andrew. Who said, Here's a boy, and he's got five loaves of bread and two fish. He saw the resources. But then he added, But what are they among so many? And of course, Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives thanks. So symbolic. To give thanks to God for the resources that are before them. And then he gives it to the disciples and said, Go feed the crowd. And 5,000 people are fed. Talk about a surprise. Andrew would never forget how God can take just what is before him, the resources that look so meager, and do things he would never expect. Surprise. That's why Andrew would be in the upper room, and now he would hear Jesus say he was going to be betrayed. There would be no overthrow of the Roman government. There would be no kingdom of Israel here on earth. He was so surprised. What a dark and traumatic moment. And yet right after announcing he'd be betrayed, Jesus goes on to have the institution of Holy Communion. And he takes the bread and breaks it and said, This is my body broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for you. He goes on to create what we call the Eucharist which is the Greek word meaning, Thanksgiving meal. That in that dark night, Jesus is setting the foundation that even if you're living in a dark and difficult time, you can be grateful for God's grace. And it's that gratitude for God's grace that will give you hope that you can be surprised. That it's going to be different. You don't have to go back to the old way. There can be a new normal. It can be better than ever before. For St. Andrew, well, we believe from many different early Christian writings that he went out, not knowing what the future would be like. He went out and began to travel, and we believe he went to to the Black Sea. He began to preach around there, and we believe he would travel inland as far as what we know today as Kiev. He was into Russia. And so we believe that Andrew really is the first person to bring the gospel to Russia. From there he would come back and go into Turkey and preach and then into Greece. And it was at Patras there in Greece where he would convert the family of one of the leaders and the leader didn't want them converted and sentenced him to death. And so Andrew would be crucified But they didn't drive nails through his hands and feet like Jesus. No, they tied his hands to the cross and his feet so that he would take longer to die. He would have to suffer more. And Andrew said he was not worthy to die on a cross like Jesus. And so rather than putting him on a cross like we see and know, they put him on a cross where it made an X and they turned it sideways. It's called the Saltire Cross. It's also become known as St. Andrew's cross. And that's where he died, there in Greece. It's no wonder that Russia declared St. Andrew the patron saint of Russia. And what's fascinating was it was in 1700 that St. Peter, I mean that Peter the Great was creating a, a navy for Russia in those days and he chose the saltire, the St. Andrew's Cross to be the ensign, the flag they would fly on all Russian ships. And it did all the way up until 1917 and the Communist Revolution. It's no wonder that also Ukraine would claim Andrew as the, as the patron saint. And so in Greece, but also in Scotland. Now, there's so much fascinating history with Andrew in Scotland, and I don't have time to tell you all about it today, but I am going to tell you all about it this week on Coffee with Bob. And so if you want to go to our website throughout this week, I'm going to be telling you about some of the stories of St. Andrew and how he becomes the patron saint of Scotland and why Scotland's flag is St. Andrew's Cross, a blue background with a white X. The flag of Scotland is St. Andrew's Cross. And how they would go and bring a relic to a a little area, a beautiful area there on the coast of Scotland, and they would name this new town St. Andrew's. And it would be at St. Andrew's that they would build a golf course that's known as St. Andrew's Old Course, where they play the British Open to this day. No, we're going to talk about how he winds up being patron saint of so many countries all the way to helping divine the birth of golf. I just got to tell you, there is no way that St. Andrew would have ever imagined the impact of his life. You go to every city in America today and you will find churches of all denominations named St. Andrews. And how many nonprofits and charity organizations named the Friends of St. Andrews? The impact of his life. And you only hear about him four times in the Bible. But it was so great. Because he was someone who gave God thanks for the gift of his grace and began to believe that it would be a surprise of how God would work and give him hope. And so he wasn't afraid to try. We're coming to the end of the pandemic. It's time to examine our lives. Do you want to go back to the way it used to be? Or do you want a new normal? Secondly, the whole issue is you have to be open to a surprise. To be the kind of person who grows in your faith. That's what Lent's going to be about. Deepening our walk with Christ. Can we trust? I hope it's been happening throughout this pandemic. Can we trust in a greater way that God is going to clarify our dream? That God is going to help us reset our priorities? That God is going to help us find our calling and how we can make a difference? It can happen. So we find a new normal. I was telling you about Matt and Savannah and how their world has changed so much in the last year. Now they've created actually 30 music videos 30 videos they've created, they all will get viewed anywhere from several hundred thousand times to over 8 million times, and they're growing. With all the change that was going on, I loved the fact that they made that ministry. They're going to share hope, spread joy. It's the whole purpose of what they do. Well, they got to thinking, wouldn't it be fun? Maybe we could actually create an album, to record an album. Something that Matt had wanted to do so many years ago. And Savannah thought this would be so exciting. But she was so shy and afraid. Maybe we could do this together. And so it was last October. They came out with an album, 13 songs. And it was entitled Picture This. It was all these different songs that people had said, these are the ones that mean the most to us. And so they recorded their album, 13 songs. Picture This. It was Matt who wanted to be really optimistic, and and he believed that some people still own CD players. Yes, so much music is downloaded electronically now. He believed some people still had CD players, and so he ordered 10,000 CDs, believing that maybe they would sell those over the next year. And they wanted to make this a family project. They got the CDs, and then all the kids, everyone would help to package them, and they were planning on if they get an order in, then they would wrap it up. His wife Brooke was going to write a a beautiful little note on each one that they mailed out. I mean, they saw this as a ministry. They wanted to share hope, and they wanted to be able to spread joy. And so they had their plan. And finally, the day came when it launched. They sold 10,000 CDs the first day. Sold out the first day. Now they had a problem. They were scrambling. But of course there was the electronic downloads going on as well. Matt had hoped that they would get to be placed on the classic crossover billboard. That maybe they would actually show up and it would help them to get some recognition. And sure enough, that's where iTunes put them, was on the classic billboard chart. They went to number one. To number one. And it was so exciting. But he looked again, not too many days later, and they were off the chart. And he thought to himself, it's okay. It's been fun. What a ride. We will make a difference. And then he looked over to the pop chart, only to discover that Apple had moved them from the classic to the pop billboard chart, where now you had all the big people's names, musicians, and they were still number one. Number one, for the genre, all genre chart that included everybody from classic to pop to rock to to rap, they were number three. It was unbelievable, the response. And I love it because they have said, you know, the only thing more contagious than a virus is hope. And as people of faith, that's what they were wanting to share. People are looking for hope. On that album, there is 13 songs. 12 are covers of other famous songs. One is an original song, their first original song, entitled Picture This. They started writing it back in July, and it really was the story of their journey, their own faith journey. And of course, it's a duet, father-daughter duet, but the song starts off with Matt singing. And he's really telling his story. And he says, sing, And he sings this. Never thought I'd be that person too afraid to chase after their dreams. After a while I stopped looking beyond all the, the things right in front of me. You came and helped me to open my eyes the things I have missed all along. After a life full of comfortable dreams what if I was wrong all along? Picture this. What if all it takes is a moment believing? The end doesn't end. It begins. Picture this. What if all we wanted was there all along? And then Savannah begins to sing her part of her story. It started out as a whisper. Just a glimpse of how brave I could be I'm taking from myself the freedom to hear out the voice that's inside of me. So hold your breath. Count to ten. Capture this moment. I don't have to see the end to go on. The twist of face worth the wait. Never been more happy to be wrong all along. Picture this. Is it possible you and I have gone through this traumatic time of this pandemic. And we discover we don't want to go back to the way it used to be. We want a new normal. Where God clarifies our dreams. Resettles our priorities. Helps us to find the ways to live with meaning and purpose. Picture this. It can be so different in a wonderful way. For Andrew, following Christ, it would always be a surprise. From a call when he went to work, to finding how five loaves of bread and two fish can feed 5,000, to a night that was devastating and receiving the sacrament of Holy Communion. Go out into the world, Andrew. Giving God thanks for His grace and being filled with hope. You and I can move to the other side of this pandemic full of grace and hope. Picture this. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.